0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Ian, look at this.
0: What? It's a police box.
2: What on earth is it he doing here? Well, these things are usually on the street.
1: I feel it. I feel it. You feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive.
2: Earth Station who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going
1: next. Who are you? Yes, <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now, please, get off this planet. While you
2: still have a choice. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks. We are here and we have a new guest with us. He's not a new guest. He's a guest who's been on before and he's a huge Doctor Who fan. He was on when we discussed his Doctor Who, a feminist show now. And let's welcome, of course, to the show, the man, the myth, the legend who has just come from Atlanta Comic Con. We are talking to Dan Kozu. Welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back on.
2: No problem. And you have decided to talk about the impossible planet and the Satan pit, the 10th doctor. Yes. One of my favorites. What about this? Other than, you know, we reviewed all the other stories that you had suggested, (laughs) you know, that, you know, what about this one, you know, made you say, let's do this one, Mike
1: you know it's really one of my favorites for so like so many different reasons i think it's one of the the first tenant rose stories where they're kind of gelling as a as a couple as a doctor and companion uh it's later on in the second season like eight, eighth episode i think and i think their their genuine affection for one another is really comes through in this episode but there's also just something about this episode about being on a planet that is next to a black hole where they're digging into the center where Satan ends up living. That seems like, like an Iron Maiden album or something. It's just such an interesting, fun concept. And then it also introduces the ooze, which is one of my favorite kind of doctor who creatures. Uh, And I think they introduce it in such a good way. It's not, they're not even a main character. They're kind of an ancillary character to the plot, but they become a favorite character of, of a lot of Huvians that I know.
2: Yep. Some of our favorite tentacle villains. It's awesome. But they're not even really villains. They're just characters. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's great to have you up here. And speaking of other people up here, we have our regulars with us. Let's say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. And Ms. Mary Ogle.
0: Hi, everybody. It is great to be here.
2: We have a good show ahead of us. And, folks, I've been promising for so long that we are going to have a new email address. And you know what? We definitely do have one, finally. We are finally at, ready for this, kids? We are at earthstationwho at esonetwork.com.
0: Ooh
2: so yay yay. it's not that difficult to remember and you know please write us we'd love to hear from you guys a big shout out real quick to our patrons and everybody at home for listening to this thank you thank you we couldn't do this without you so as we like to say there is no doctor who news (laughs) what do you expect (laughs) It is the doldrums of summer, you know, and it's kind of disappointing, too, if you think about it, because this time last year, we were all gearing up for San Diego, and it was actually Jody's first public appearance for Doctor Who. And, you know, we were all excited and everything, and this year, I don't even know if Doctor Who's going to have a presence there at all you know, at hall H or wherever. And cause there's no new doctor who to show yet. There's the show is at least, at least six months away.
1: Uh-huh. And,
2: and so, you know, and that's maybe even that's the holiday special. If they decide to do one this year and there's no confirmation on that yet even. So we are looking, you know, at least, you know, six months or longer with doctor who. So, No San Diego to talk about. No new season to talk about. Ah, So we're going to just talk about watching the paint dry. (laughs) Either that or we'll just review, finally review Trial of a Time Lord. No. (laughs) No, I can't even do that. I can't even do that with a straight face.
0: Can't can't even joke about it.
2: There's lots of rumors going around. There's lots of speculative stuff and but we're not we don't talk about that here and so you know the cool thing is for anyone going to dragon con david Tennant's going to be there freema is going to be there and so is our favorite donna is going to be there too Yay. Hooray! So, so we got some great dr who guests coming to dragon con this year so i think that's the closest to dr who news that we have <laughs> You know, uh, but, you know, because we just don't go into rumors. We don't do any of that here. It's just not worth our time. And, you know, when we do talk about it or we, you know, go through that or we, you know, listen to certain people, you know, hey, I have from my source that blah, blah, blah is going to be doing blah, blah, blah. And then it doesn't happen or it happens a different way. Who has egg on their face? I've got egg on my face. <laughs> So, you know,
0: well, if we bring it up, it probably is not going to happen. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. You know, the only confirmation that we even had for Doctor Who is, you know, that it's coming back and the Jaduner are on it, at least for an episode. I think that is it. So, yeah. wow. <sighs> Lisai. Lisai. <Yeah. laughs> So, instead, we are going to talk about this wonderful two-parter. Let us go and talk all about the impossible planet and the Satan pit. Don't turn around.
0: Then. One look at you will
3: die. I'm reaching out.
1: Close. Don't oh, You've you got beyond the reach of the TARDIS's knowledge, not a good move. Oh, people, look at that, little people. That's us. Awesome. The beast and his armies shall rise from the pit.
0: Whatever it is down there, it's not a natural phenomenon. He's awake.
3: Stop it, you can't be.
2: It's actually pretty cool that, you know, this is one I've actually wanted to talk about. And it's weird because I have not gone back and watched this since it first aired. Or and so it's been going God, this appeared June 2006. Oh. And, and so you're looking at 13 years ago, folks, already.
0: Oh, man, I'm old. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
2: we have listeners who are as old as this episode. So that's just, that's pretty amazing. And, you know, the Satan pit and, you know, the impossible planets, the doctor and Rose. But, you know, it's, you know, it just, and like Dan said earlier, you know, this is literally right in the middle of their romp through space together. It was awesome. But this also brought up for the first time that she was going to die in this storyline. Was it really? Yes. I mean, was it referenced? I I actually didn't catch it. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, the the beast tells her that she's going to die in battle. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's
2: right. Yep. And... You know, she hears it a few more times because this is like, this is like a couple of episodes before, you know, the whole doomsday and army of ghosts. Cause we still have Chloe Weber to go also after this one and the doctor lighting the torch at the uh, oh. Olympics.
0: Let's not even go there. No, we're not. Not when there's a good
2: episode to talk about. (laughs) Yes. But this was a great, great story. And I like how you, at the beginning of this episode, Dan, how you actually describe it. It was a great way to say, you know, this, you know, the doctor and Rose come to this planet that's not supposed to exist at all because it should have been sucked into the black hole. And the doctor has to figure out why.
1: And so it's pretty awesome. Yeah, one thing I I loved was how casual they were about it when they first get there. They kind of land and they're joking and they're like, this shouldn't exist. But they're so calm about it because they have the TARDIS. They have their safety net. And then it's gone. And then immediately the tone of the episode shifts. And that's one of my favorite parts is how just casual they are about this the impossible planet until like their lives are actually in danger and i think this is kind of the most fun that they had at the beginning traveling through space like she's kind of getting used to it now and and they can go to like this these places that that shouldn't exist and have fun but then something can change and it's it's no longer fun and i i just i love that tonal shift that happens after the first like 15 minutes
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly, because it carries over from the episode before this, which was the Idiot's Lantern, and when they were traveling through time and space, and she was, like, so nonchalant about it. It was her and her boyfriend traveling through space. (laughs) Nothing bad was going to happen, and then they lose the TARDIS, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty awesome. And you're right. And it took you know, the whole thing. And we're going to mix, go through different parts. We're not going to just talk about the first part and then the second part. We're just going to combine them into one.
0: Yeah, well, they actually are pretty, they work well together mm-hmm. as a two-parter.
2: Exactly. I mean,
0: they're pretty seamless. They're good about foreshadowing things in the first part that happened in the second part. I mean, it's a, it's very well written. And it's, it's one of the, the you know sometimes two parters you'll get one one episode that's good <laughs> out of the two parters but but for me, these both really really work well,
1: yeah,
2: mm-hmm. exactly and it's it's interesting that you know they have you know the humans working on it and but this is the first time we see the ood who are basically all slaves. Yeah, it's
0: not, the oud are not <laughs> being treated well at all.
2: Oh, no, not
0: at right.
3: all. Now, the oud are so interesting. I mean, when we first see them, because they're introduced, like, even in the stinger, in the first, like, little bit before, I think even before the music starts, right? Mm-hmm. That hmm uh, and, and they just look like something out of a Lovecraft book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, yeah, they are not, in my mind, they are not pleasant to look at at all. Right. So it's uh, it's one of those times, though, where Doctor Who likes to do that, where they take something that looks menacing and they kind of flip it. Uh, so you it, it's against their expectations where you find out, oh, they're not really that menacing. And then they become menacing, but they're not really, you know, but it's not their fault. So um, as we it's kind of interesting that we uh, mentioned this one episode because we had just talked about, you know, the doctor's wife, where the doctor was kind of uh, still regretting the fact that he couldn't save the oud from this story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is interesting because um, I think this is the first time he encounters them. And um, even though they are pretty much just referred to as like, pretty much, I think they even call them like cattle. Yeah. um, uh, They, that the doctor really still feels bad about leaving them all behind.
2: Oh, very much so. And this is, you know, they're basically Mindless, to the humans, they're basically mindless automatrons almost that will just do whatever they're told. And, you know, they're the workforce. They're the grunts. And it's, you know, basically they're, you know, when you see the eyes change color, it's like, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> it's like... And it's, but, not,
0: it's not a black and white episode. I mean, I like that, that there are nobody's like all good or all, all bad. Like the humans are not, they're not saints. (laughs) They're, they're using the ood and not thinking very much about how they're being treated.
3: Yeah. Otherwise they seem like a nice crew. Uh, You know, they're out there for the right reasons. They're not there out there to, you know, for military purposes, although certainly they're uh, what they find out could be applied uh, to, for military use, but they seem like a good bunch of, um, overall but um, and well cast too oh, really yes, well cast yes. um uh and uh yeah but the, but in this in this it's kind of like it's one of those stories where you're like oh yeah it's they're really good people except yeah. they're kind of racist
1: <laughs> right
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're really great people except they have slaves
1: except,
0: except they're not
2: mm, exactly and You know, you actually feel really bad for Toby, who is the one who gets possessed by the beast, and because he seems like the most—he's the innocent—and he falls target to the beast. And man, it's scary when you first see him with all the marks all over him. It's this. This
3: is not only well written by uh, Matt Jones, but it's really well directed by James Strong. Like the parts that are supposed to be creepy are really creepy.
0: Yeah, the the production's really good, too. I mean, the sets are really good. Yeah. The, yeah. the costumes are I really was so- good. The simplicity of just putting the marks on him is, I mean, they didn't go overboard with making him scary, and yet that made him more scary.
2: Oh, very much so. It was just like... And it it was like you you see him... And you think, is he fighting against it? Is he, you know, doing, but he's fully possessed the whole time. And, you know, he is, for for the villain of the story, it's just like, wow. And, you know, and then it's, he's a good foe for the doctor. Very well, you know, well-rounded and everything. So it was pretty cool. And Tennant, of course, is Tenet's doctor at his best in this one. Oh sure
0: one of my favorite scenes is when it's just when he's lowering being lowered into the pit and it's nothing it's just black it's just him talking and and mm-hmm. does it so well i mean he totally keeps your attention i mean as you just hear him rambling on it it's just it just says doctor to me that's what the doctor would do that's how you would act.
1: yeah and his his just <laughs> This empathy not only towards the oods but towards the crew like I, I can't remember which there was a kid there's a character that dies and he says like he, like he apologizes and it's not even his fault he just wants to save everyone and it's that's what I remember about Tenant's doctor it's just his love of like his love of people and his want to save everyone and that he can't do it and so uh, it just so it breaks sorry. my heart sometimes.
2: I am so so sorry.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, he pulls one of those for sure. But the, my favorite doctor moment in this is uh, when he he tells Zach uh, the captain, he's like, uh, "I'm going to give you a hug. Don't be startled. I'm just going to come over and give you a hug. <laughs> it's like hey, because we've seen other doctors that are like, don't don't touch me, you know. Yeah, and certainly after this, it's a thing where you like don't don't hug the doctor, but you forget that Tenant's doctor was all about like, come here, you know, like, like <laughs> big hug. I love you people. Like, you know, and, uh <laughs> and it's just, uh, that's fantastic.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's like Tenant's doctor is just great. And I love when he comes face to face with the beast. That is that scene. And the CGI of the beast is just amazing in this. Yeah. they They
0: did a great job. Especially for for back then. I mean, they, that.
2: Yeah, back in the old days of 2006.
0: But I mean, technology has moved so far ahead.
2: Oh, it has. And I'm sure half the heavy metal bands out there were like, why couldn't we do something like that?
0: It's like my my sister and I just got this, our new baby, a big (laughs) 65-inch TV. (laughs) We (laughs) used to have a little one. So we just got this new one and I had this is the first Doctor Who episode I had watched on it. And you know, some things they don't hold up in <laughs> that that size and with that clarity. But still the CGI still really worked. And, oh,
2: you know, very much so.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, and they, they I mean they do a good thing about um, you know, they work it so that less is more uh you don't see you see like glimpses until you see like the real thing at the at the end. Um, they just do a great job of sort of that spe- keeping you in suspense for the whole thing.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly.
3: And not a too early of a reveal.
0: Right.
2: No, and that was great. They kept it to the end of the second episode. And yeah. And apart from the
3: flash that you get, I think it's in the first episode, right? Where the, the captain sees him for just a second. And you're like, whoa, what's that? Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, exactly. But you th- you end up thinking that Toby is, you know, been... Possessed by whatever that was. And just that was, he was the true villain and it's true. Truthfully, it's the entity under the planet that's trapped there that's possessed him. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, and it gets into all these different, you know, religious stuff. Is that actually Satan? Is that just an alien beast or whatever that the time Lord's trapped there? You know, it, it was just pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that—that that was an interesting question. I mean, what? I mean, maybe that's how the story started. It's like, what? What if Satan were real? What? What if Satan were embodied? What if Satan was an alien?
2: <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And was, his vestige was just copied through planet to planet, mm-hmm. and you know that way, you know, as the great evil to warn people about him
3: think it was the time lords that trapped him i thought it, they he said that it was the lords of light which whatever that means
0: yeah like just yeah, an ancient
3: race i don't know who yeah because i don't the doctor seemed to be oblivious like he didn't know anything about it and even you know several times and he's pretty open to ideas but even several times he's like that's it's amazing how many times in this he says that something is impossible for as as usually open and excited as he is for new things uh, <laughs> there's a few times where he's like, no, no, that, that
0: can't be right. <laughs> can't be right.
3: Um, and I have to give them credit. Cause even though this is over 10 years old, before we get a glimpse, our first like phot- photographic evidence of a black hole, this one, this CG one, it actually looks
0: pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty
3: consistent with that.
0: It does. I mean, it's actually, and it's quite chilling when the, when the body is floating. In front of the black hole. I mean, that's a real. Chilling moment. They all look up. And suddenly she's there. Floating.
1: Yeah, goody
2: Yeah. And it's just like. Oh. Yeah. It, it was your typical. Base under siege story too. From old Doctor Who.
3: Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know. Which even made it. In some ways. A little more special. And. It was fun to get that old series feel, and you know, Rose was Rose, but she wasn't. You know, she was.
3: <laughs> they, I, I, I will say, I really like Rose in this.
2: See, I didn't. I, I know. I could I know. no. I could have done. It's Rose was. She didn't do anything special in this.
1: What she, do you mean she didn't do anything special? No,
2: she didn't. <laughs>
1: Hey. She took command, like she took she. Mm. She kind of helped everyone, like the it, 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 commander. It,
2: it could have been any companion doing that,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it wasn't. Out
0: the window at the end.
3: It wasn't any companion. It was
2: Rose. Yeah.
0: And even the
3: doctor. The, the that's the whole big thing at the end when the doctor says, "I believe, I believe in her." And uh, of course, he and,
2: does. And then, mm-hmm. and then, well,
3: <laughs> look, it's established that they're a thing so deal with it
2: oh i do that's why i comment on it all the time
3: <laughs> <laughs> so but and i you know and this is yes we see hints of it certainly even as early as uh the when they're in new new york right where they are, just seem to have this banter back and forth um but here it's really like i mean it opens with them just giggling like uh like mm-hmm. like school children um like, ch- like school children in love. Yeah, um, I
0: hate that too. Not-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mary.
0: Rose annoys the heck out of me this whole season.
1: I re- I don't know. There's something about Rose that's just... it. It's something I like... I loved
0: her in the first season. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I did no, 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 no. I, I,
1: and I, I would agree that, that with Tenet, then that kind of romance... I, it, but, but her character outside of that is just... There's something wonderfully like blue collar about her that you don't see in the companions that kind of come after her like i there's she just like there's a job to get done and she does it and I don't know like I, I think with the that she grows up on like in, in the, that kind of uh blocky apartment block complex with a single mom and it's just I don't know there's just something about her character that seems so different than most of the female characters that kind of were coming out around that time. And even after the companions, I don't know. She's one of my favorites. Donna. Yeah. I I think everybody's here agreeing that Donna's our favorite, but, uh, but I really do like Rose.
3: And I, and I, I like her in this too. Like I said, when she, when she does take command, uh, I think she does so convincingly. And, uh, I, I think that she's definitely, um, in command and and definitely saves the day at the end.
0: So. Well, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you there. I mean, she does have some nice moments. In- mm. so, it, despite my how how much I hate <laughs> her interaction <laughs> with the doctor time <laughs> this season, she does have some nice moments here, and she does take charge at the end. I mean, I think that's actually a great moment where she grabs the gun, shoots out the window. She just. And that, and I, that I, I do agree that she can be a strong character, and I think that's actually why one of the reasons why I'm more annoyed by it because I feel like her character was kind of undermined. Ah, um. well,
2: of course, because she was the woman. Of course, she was, <laughs> and and I don't mean that meanly. Don't take that wrong, but you know they always do that in Doctor Who. They undermine the assistant all the time, and. I do think, you know, Rose is strong in this one for what she did at the end, but the rest of it it's just like it's a typical companion. And I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> my my opinion, but that's okay. So it's
0: The Rose versus Rose show. <laughs> <laughs> it's The
2: War of the Roses. Ah!
0: Uh,
3: uh. Well done.
2: Well done. I just I thought it was good. I liked, you know, all the different characters on this the station. And, you know, I liked how slowly each one got picked off and everything. And I liked the character of Ida a lot. I thought there was a lot more to her than they were actually I thought there was gonna be even more to her than what they let on. You know, especially with her and the doctor
1: going down the pit and everything. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised yeah. how well they made it. That I was so attached to her by the end. Mm-hmm. Exactly. To, to her, like, it, yeah, I, I agree.
0: Yeah, that that's a great moment when she's saved because you really are pulling for her. Yeah.
3: yeah, and 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 you want to talk about undermine too? The doctor undermining somebody? I mean, that at the end when she's like, she's going to go down there, and he's like, well, there's only one thing wrong with that plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna go instead of you, and I'm like, but why like like like, you know and we know it's because he's the doctor right he's the star of the show so he's gonna go down there instead of her but it's kind of like he was kind of fighting it most of the time uh but it was a really interesting way in which they depicted that too where you know he had that voice in the back of his head saying go do this and for the like for him the first time he doesn't trust that voice and you know, was that was that caused by the beast? Uh, uh, was is that why he was second guessing himself? I, I, that's a it's an interesting uh, aspect of this character. There,
0: I also wondered if it had something to do with him being separated from the TARDIS.
3: That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think you know, obviously, at, and also just having seen the Doctor's wife, knowing how much—I mean, we know how much the, the TARDIS means to him. But certainly, uh, the doctor's wife. Even though it takes place after this episode, still the bond is there, and the, the bond is as close as it is with anybody, uh, as far as the uh, as any two beings can be. And so, when he does lose his TARDIS, he's not just losing like his vehicle; <laughs> like it's not just a vehicle to him.
2: No, it's part of his. Psyche, almost.
3: And yeah. this is kind of proof here also that the TARDIS is taking them someplace that they need to be. And saving the day,
1: saving the doctor at the end. Yeah, how did you feel about like That's the one problem I kind of had with this episode was that he, losing the TARDIS was such an important piece of this narrative that he, like, falls, like, runs down a shaft and trips and falls, like, and f- just kind of finds it. And so I but now that you're it seems like you're kind of proposing maybe the TARDIS found him, which is a very interesting way to look at it.
3: I I certainly think that's um, you know, I, I would I would offer that explanation and get a no prize for it. I mean, really, I mean, it's not it's nothing that's in this story that confirms that. Um it is kind of coincidence. It is kind of set up like, oh, you just happened to back up into it. Um but I mean, certainly that's what I love about, you know, that later episode, The Doctor's Wife, because it kind of allows for that now. So when you watch these things, you can kind of go, okay, that that's not as much that's not as problematic as I might have thought before.
0: I mean, I kind of had that feeling, too. And maybe I was hand waving, but it just (laughs) it, it felt like the TARDIS found him.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
2: No, it's very interesting to put because, especially after what we talked about last time, it's, and if you look at a lot of episodes of Doctor Who, it happens more than you think it does, truthfully. It, you know, it, it, and I don't know if it's just by coincidence or that the TARDIS is just, you know, it also does find the doctor and it's like, you know, they have each other. It's like, it's, it's her thief, but you know she stole him also. And it's, it's interesting that way.
1: Yeah. I, I'm thinking of the, the ghost monument that was at the like second episode from the, the new season or something where I, I was actually, when I first saw it was actually upset with how kind of desperate the doctor was when, when the TARDIS didn't appear when she thought it would. And now going like thinking about it and, and looking at this episode of how scared he was when he lost the TARDIS. It is like, it I didn't realize what a running theme it was.
2: I would have hoped this last season of doctor who the newest season that that would have been a theme throughout the whole series is them trying to find the TARDIS. And the way that Chibnall had made it sound was that's where they were wanted to go. That the doctor was going to be without the TARDIS instead of, Oh, second episode. Here it is. Enjoy. <laughs>
0: I'm still surprised because Chimno's strength and and Chibnall likes having these long story arcs. I'm still surprised there wasn't more of that in in last yeah. season.
3: I, I fear that he must have been told no.
0: <laughs> that's all. I bet he was because yeah,
3: that's because I think he originally had plans to, and I think the powers that be were like mm, no.
2: Yeah. In other words, fear me. I am the producer. Fear me. I write the checks.
1: <laughs> okay. Exactly.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, Chris.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> I actually recently was start was watching the the, um, uh, Pertwee, uh episodes where they they take his Tardis away and he has Bessie instead and he's kind of building rebuilding the Tardis and he forgot he he doesn't remember they take away his knowledge as well of of time and space travel and it is very off-putting to have a doctor without a TARDIS. But then when he gets it back, uh, which I finally saw, I think it's the the three doctors. I think he gets it back. Yes. But anyway, is uh, it is like just a, an amazing moment to, for him to, to get it back. So
3: I would also say too, and you know, I mean, not making excuses for any of the lovey-dovey stuff that, uh, you know, you guys hate, but, um, but also in this episode, it really seems like without the TARDIS, the Doctor has nothing and no one except for Rose. So is he going to? He I think he, it makes him cling to her even more.
2: So it makes him more vulnerable. You think? Sure. Okay. No, that's,
0: that's that's fair. That's, that's a valid point. I no, very
2: good point, actually, one. Mikey. I didn't even think of it that way because it was the one constant still in his life other than the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. That's
3: true. Wow. Because I mean, for the first time in a long time, you know, probably since probably since the third doctor era, he was he was forced with thinking like, what I'm stuck in a one place in one time, damn it, like what do I do? You know, and they even have that conversation where she's like, You're gonna have to pay a mortgage and she's like, Oh God, no, like oh God. <laughs> <laughs> like no way, and uh yeah, the idea of the doctor. Having to pay a mortgage is hilarious.
0: That's when he knew he would stop at nothing to get the TARDIS back.
2: <laughs> he almost dived head first down that pit. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> get out of my way, Ida. <laughs>
3: That's why he's like, you're not going down there. I am. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he literally is just like, all right, nope. Get out of the way, Geronimo. <laughs> Wow, I didn't think he'd... I thought he would climb down on the rope or the elevator, but no, he just jumped in. <laughs> also, this is the first time we get to see that spacesuit that he has because you see it multiple times later.
0: The infamous yeah. orange spacesuit. Yes.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. As, uh, uh, as Mary pointed out, the design uh, from the, the, the look of the ship to the costumes to... Uh, even the outside, you know, they, or in the pit, actually, where they actually Doctor Who finally goes back to the quarry uh, to, to shoot some stuff um, was just top notch all the way. I mean, that looked that looked like a fun set to be
0: on. Mm-hmm. But there was just a lot of detail in, in the ship, especially. They they really went all out to, to make it look good. And I I really appreciated that. It.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't just look like a factory that you sometimes you see these like these like spaceships and they go to like some sort of you know broken down factory to to shoot the inside you're like yeah that's
2: not really (laughs) no this actually felt like this was a station of
3: Mm -hmm. some
2: kind yeah it was really well done and you felt in like how you guys said earlier a lot of times it felt very claustrophobic and that's the type of base under siege story you want. And it, this is also this is story for a two parter. It had the perfect cliffhanger, it had the perfect, you know, pacing. There were no real dead points on this. No, I don't think so either. And that's kind of the cool stuff about these stories is, you know, we've had even two parters in the new series where it could have easily been just one story this paced perfectly yeah
0: and it's very character driven and i really i always like that i mean i like i want to care about the characters and and i did i mean i felt something when they got picked off and you know you really were rooting for them
2: Mm -hmm. you felt it when you saw the one character floating (laughs) in space it was just like oh yeah it was a
0: horrible moment
2: yes
3: I, uh, and it's funny cause I didn't realize, I guess it's been a while since I've seen this as well, because, uh, that actress who is, uh, who played Scooty um, is Myanna Burring who's been in like a ton of stuff since then. Um, most notably for me anyway, she had a big prominent role in a, in a TV series called Ripper Street, which was done uh, over in Britain as well. Uh, but, uh, she, and she was on um, Downton Abbey too for a while. Um, so yeah, she's gone on to do better things. And I, you know, I would not be surprised if the other folks on this, uh, especially the guy who played Zach, I mean, I thought he was really good as well.
2: No, definitely. And yep, I definitely, it's definitely, there were some actors in this. Oh, wait, I remember this person from, like you said, Downton Abbey, or I've remembered these people these people from other shows and it's just like oh i know that person i know that person and it's just like okay that totally makes sense and oh i remember seeing this person in this show and it's just like okay that's pretty awesome you know it's like (laughs) wait a minute i remember that person from the mummy returns or you know stuff like that and it's just like and it made that's what also made it more personable in a lot of ways because you actually felt like you knew these characters yeah yeah that's where i was trying to go with it there it, it was a long way around but i made it
1: <laughs> one but. thing about this episode was actually something that was missing which watching these older episodes which i i like you haven't watched this one in years was that the sonic screwdriver was never used and i'm i'm realizing now how often it's used in the newer seasons that and anything that the doctor doesn't know the the size screwdriver now scans it. And I'm like, if this episode were made now, he would have scanned the planet. He would have scanned the computer stuff. And I'm, I just realized how how it was just kind of sort of used. It was used when it was necessary in these older episodes.
3: Yeah, in fact, uh, in the first little bit, you know, in the first teaser image or, you know, uh, beginning when the Ood are coming after them. They're being backed into that corner and the doctor whips out the sconic screwdriver and he's pointing at them. and I'm like,
0: what's he going to do? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's I forgot he did take it out right at the beginning.
0: It's not going to shoot lasers at them. So what? <laughs>
3: you know? I was like, he's going to Sonic them to death uh, somehow. Okay.
2: <laughs> what are you going to uh, do? Build me a cabinet or something? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's just there was a lot of great stuff out there and this one, you know, has some really good moments and I am glad they brought the Ood back after the story and they're good they're good creatures. And yeah, they're
0: interesting characters and I'm glad. You actually that's they're the one characters you don't actually get to know that much about.
2: No, you don't. You don't actually find out about them until the, you know, what two seasons later, three seasons. Yeah. So when you had the planet, of the Ood, and you find out about the brains and, you know, the whole thing in the containers, and it's just like, ah, ooh, yeah. So because you think those <laughs> are like just translator devices or something. And, you know, it's pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, the use of them as weapons was kind of odd and didn't really work as well for me. But uh, um, the only other effect that I thought was kind of lacking, uh, watching this two-parter, was uh, whenever Jefferson tried to shoot them. Like it just seemed like uh, they were. I mean, it, the 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 effect of the gun firing just looked uh, a little cheesy.
0: A little fake, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to hand
3: it to him. Like, I would have shot much earlier than he ever did. I was
1: going to say, that's so British of him to have waited that long. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know. I some like, Americans there. <laughs>
3: like, dude, like, they are almost up in your face. Like, shoot.
2: <laughs> no, that's kind of funny because it's like, you know, didn't you ever take here, shoot, to, when you see the white of their eyes? Come on. When you see they turn red, shoot. Come on. <laughs> everyone knows that gosh yeah but yeah it was a good story um do we have any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate this tonight
3: well according to the um wikipedia entry uh the voice of the beast was very familiar to us dr who fans it was played by gabriel wolf who also played uh suteth in uh, pyramids of mars
2: that is awesome oh. that is awesome well, you know, of course, they used different voice changer and stuff. You know, of course,
3: which is interesting because in that period uh, when he meets Suteth, he says, like, you know, the fourth uh, the fourth Doctor says that Suteth has been known by many aliases, uh, including Satan. <laughs> so,
2: there you go. Huh. Maybe it's a tie-in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Circle always does. Always does. <laughs> Could right. it
3: be Satan?
2: okay before we go to church lady tonight all right let's go ahead and rate this one out of five tardises one being the worst five being the best dan this was your story you get a pick first
1: Uh, i'm gonna say four and a half tardises
2: that's good that's really good that is very cool i like that all right mr mike
3: uh yeah, four and a half, four and a half. It, man, I you know, I'm trying to think of a reason not to give it a five. Um and I think overall I can think of
2: one blonde word reason.
3: <laughs> I know you can. Uh but I I you know what? I can't really come up it's it just there's maybe just a little bit of something special. It's missing like there's a reason probably that I haven't watched this one over and over and over again. It's just because as good as it is, it's not integral maybe or as as is something that I can connect to as much. So but I think uh I think it's as solid as anything else. And it's one of those ones where, you know, we talked about it before, but if somebody was new to who, uh I would have no problem giving them this two-parter to watch and and I'm sure it would be easily accessible for them.
2: Fair enough. Totally fair. Mary.
0: I'm gonna give it a four and a half also. I mean it's just if there are two really fun episodes to watch. Um, They're very well, well written and they're just, they're beautiful. I mean, you can just sit there and stare at how well the sets are done. The costumes are done. Uh, The, the really good acting, the way the CGI it's um, you know, it's, it's definitely two of my favorite stories from, from that season. And I'm glad we had a chance to see it again.
2: No, very true. I agree with that. All right. My turn. Hmm. I'm going to give this one a solid four. Uh, And no, I'm not pulling it down because of Rose. Trust (laughs) me. I promise I'm not. Uh, I enjoyed the stories. I thought they were fascinating. I just, there was just something about it. You know, it, knowing what comes next in the couple next couple of episodes also pulls it down a little bit because you have a couple filler stories after this one. And it's just a lot of, you know, you got, this is towards the end of, you know, Rose and doctor, and this is, you know, planting seeds for the rest of the season. And Tenet's amazing. I would give him a five, but just some of the story just, it just didn't deserve higher for me, but I enjoyed it. It's enjoyable. I would recommend it for people. I uh, wouldn't recommend this as a first episode of Doctor Who to watch because you'd have trouble figuring out what the characters and such. But I liked it, and I think four is a good solid number for this. So, ha, ha, ha. But, <laughs> <So> there. <laughs> there. That's my story, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, I did enjoy it. Um, we want to hear from you guys at home. Please write it at earthstationwho at esonetwork.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. All right. We are going to be back in a couple weeks and we are going to be talking about Warriors of the Deep, the fifth Doctor story featuring both the Silurians and the Sea Devils. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> So talk about base under siege stories. <laughs> you got it here, folks. That's, we should just change our name to earth stations under siege. <laughs> so it should be a lot of fun. It should be great. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. How can people find you and you get to promote your book
1: right? Here? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on the social media is K zero Z U H instead of K O Z U H. And uh, my book is called Lingeria, book one of one. It's a humorous fantasy tale, and you can find it on Amazon, L-I-N-G-E-R-I-A book. Definitely. We'll have a link to that up on our show notes also.
2: So definitely check it out. We actually picked up one yesterday at Atlanta Comic-Con, so definitely Much take after this. us. Make this man a bestseller. That's what we need to do. From my mouth to God, right? Yeah. So that should be... <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Thank you again. And Mr. Mike, thank you so, so much.
3: As always, it's my pleasure.
2: And Mary, you made it through.
0: I did. Oh, this was a fun one to talk about. I'm really glad you picked it, Dan. It's such such a such a good two-parter. I miss good two-parters. Chibnall, hear that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> good two, especially good two-parters. So, uh, Mary, where can they find your stuff?
0: You can find my artwork at com or on Etsy at eVisionArts.
2: Excellent. And that's it for the show. We will see you next time here on Earth Station Who. My name is Mike Faber, and let's bring on the Warriors of the Deep. Peace, and we're done. Ta-da.
0: Yay. Awesome. Hooray.
2: That was good.
0: There was...
3: You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the comedy stylings of Hugh for the Borg Collective. When I was part of the Bork Collective, my Borg wife was so fat when she sat around the collective, uh she sat around the collective. Yeah. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Oh, my